Welcome to the latest episode of the Going Upstairs podcast from Opening Up Cricket. Today's edition is an important one, I believe. It is about the reality of the COVID bubbles that exist within international cricket. And Kate Cross joins me to discuss her experience from the summer of last year, as well as the reality of what's going on currently in her time touring in New Zealand. As we'll go on to explore, the topic of the bubbles is out there. It's something which we are aware of, but the reality has had limited attention and focus. So it's great to speak with Kate and get her honest, frank view on what happens in these very difficult and demanding circumstances. When you introduce a guest on a podcast and say they are in New Zealand or indeed any other cricket playing nation, the instinct is to think, oh, brilliant, that's fantastic. I'd love to be out there. But in the current world we live in, it's not quite as straightforward as that. So I'm really glad to speak with Kate today about life in the COVID bubble as it exists in cricket, both domestically and internationally. So first of all, thanks for your time, Kate. No problem. Thanks for having me. We finally worked the time difference out, got um, ourselves together. That's right. It is um, very challenging uh, from my perspective to work out which <laughs> numbers go, um, but it's glad to know that you've got a similar um, challenge as, as me there. So that's that's good. Yeah. Now, we've spoken briefly um, about this in the lead up and... I think we have a have an agreement from our two very different perspectives in terms of a fan and a, and a player that the bubbles are mentioned, everyone's aware of them, but the reality of them doesn't get a great deal of coverage. So could you just take us through what exactly happens? What is a, a bubble in this sense? OK, so obviously the idea of the COVID bubble is to stop or ensure that COVID can't enter your environment I guess so um, we saw it a lot in English summer how certain venues were used that had been specifically designed so that um, no members of the public or no one without the ECB's awareness could get into that kind of contaminate that bubble so um, it's a lot of testing to make sure that we're COVID free before we get into that environment Um, and yeah basically just um, the best way to ensure that you can play cricket safely um weirdly which I, I never really quite understood but in the summer we were a, a biosecure bubble but we still had to socially distance still hand hygiene still wear masks that kind of thing but I think that was more down to the fact that when you're on tele you've got televised fixtures you still have some kind of outside broadcasters coming into that ground um but yeah that's to sum it up really you pretty much eat sleep and breathe cricket for however long you are in that environment okay yeah, and that's the the version, the 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 part of it that we've seen on television or clips on social media. Of course, the reality behind that is is the other side of it. So, currently in New Zealand, so far away from home, um, what's the specifics of of that bubble? So we've been really lucky out here in that we've entered a COVID free free country I use that in air quotes because I know there's been some 
um, cases whilst we've been over here. But we basically, to get over here, we had to do two weeks quarantine slash isolation before we got on the plane. Had to have about three or four COVID tests, the antibody test and um, the COVID test that we did were both the 15 minute, you know, the quick turnaround one plus your swabs. Um, and once we got over here, we did two weeks quarantine in a hotel so that, you know, that's for four, four weeks already that you've pretty much been on your own. Um, and then we were able to to kind of live normal, norm, again, normal in um, inverted commas, but normal life kind of got resumed a little bit. We have had some community cases over in Auckland and they're, they're quite quick to shut the country down over here. So we've kind of reverted back into level two warnings, level three warnings, which again is masks, social distance. Um, but thankfully everything's kind of moved on quite quickly once we've had a once there's been a case it's kind of within a week has been sorted out so they've um the best way i can describe it over here is just that they're very they adapt very quickly and they go strict very quickly so people kind of lock down and people seem to follow the rules which seems to work yeah so with this then you you don't get a chance to do anything normally because from that moment when you land you're entering in that period of of the quarantine um to what extent can you prepare for this is it something that would you know it would you know that it it's coming you're able to put some things in place or is it a real shock to the system and hard to be able to deal with i think for the purposes of this chat i think my, my best thing to do would be describe the summer in England because I feel like we've cheated a little bit coming out to New Zealand. We have had, you know, we've been able to go to restaurants. We've been able to go um, out to the public spaces quite openly and quite freely. Um, so I, I'm going to kind of talk about what it was like for us when we were in Derby in, in the summer. Um, and we actually had a training bubble in Derbyshire. So it's kind of like our trial run where we did, it was about 10 days where we played games amongst ourselves and um, this was in the build-up to what would have been our series against South Africa and India at this stage um, and we had um we, we'd not really had any kind of prep for it because it hadn't really existed at this point the men were in a biosecure bubble um, and it was very early days and I think there was a, kind of a lot of novelty around it and we were getting to play cricket again so it, it kind of was quite exciting um, but we did have um, a chat with our psychologist and uh, one, one another member of staff, our PDW. Um, she's our personal welfare woman. And um, they just kind of spoke about the what ifs. And for a lot of for a lot of the girls, it was around boredom. It was how to not be bored, basically. So what games are you taking in? Are you taking cards in? Are you, you know, have you got anything university work that you might want to do and it's a good opportunity to do it because you can't leave the ground um and to be honest that first 10 days was absolutely fine which then gave me a false sense of security going into the actual um we, we had another training bubble after that where we were in Loughborough for 10 days but then moved immediately back into the Derbyshire bubble if you were selected for the squad so that became about a three week three just under four week period <laughs> Um, and because the initial training bubble had been fine and it was novel and everything I've just explained, I completely underestimated how difficult it would be. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that and go into all the, the reasons as to why that was. But um, I, yeah, I came out of the, the Derby bubble, bearing in mind we'd only been in it for three and a bit weeks, in one of the worst mental states that I've been in for 
four to five years. So it was definitely something that triggered me into that. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was pretty difficult actually, and I think we've kind of briefly touched on this, but I feel like the media has talked about how difficult the bubbles are. A couple of the England lads have spoken about the importance of getting away from the bubbles where possible, but no one's really spoken about the the nitty gritty, the why, the what would trigger you in those those situations. So I think this is a really good, important chat to have. You mentioned boredom, and that can be overlooked. People can think, oh, yeah, we all get bored, but that can be quite a, a persistent and a feeling which can really drag you drag you down, and, and then it affects motivation, and then we can get into a cycle of that. So boredom, yeah, it sounds like one thing, and, I, and that's one that I think we can look in and think, yeah, if you're on a plane for so long, you can get bored if you're in this situation. What else comes out of it? And... Perhaps if you could tell me a little bit about when, what kind of process did did this kick off? The, I mean, a, a lot of things did happen in that time frame. Um, so we found out through social media that our World Cup had been postponed. So the ICC tweeted that without telling our governing body. Um, so that was big part of it for me personally because I'd been really gearing up towards a 50 over World Cup felt like my game was in a really good place to be able to really contend for a, a place in that starting 11 whereas normally I'm you know just happy to be on a tour and um what will be will be when I get there I, I kind of felt like this was my World Cup so personally that was a like I'm not I'm not embarrassed to say that I cried about that and I remember when the Olympics got postponed I saw a lot of interviews that Olympic athletes had done about how tragic it was that their Olympics had been postponed for a year and I thought to them I thought in my head well, what's a year you know if you've been training anyway what's another year and then it happened to me and I just it almost felt like like the wind had just been completely taken out of my sails and I thought well what's my purpose now if we've not got 50 or 50 over World Cup coming up what your goalposts have completely shifted um so that was a quite a big part of it for me because I that motivation that you spoke about kind of felt like I'd um I'd lost a lot not that I'd lost my motivation because obviously I still wanted to be there and train and work but it it just felt like a, a really large unknown had come into my life then because we didn't know when we were next getting any cricket um which for me personally mental health wise is quite a big you know I need I need little things to to be able to plan to then be able to control how I get to those events if that makes sense um talking about the boredom i again just completely underestimated how when we're on tour you normally train in the morning or train in an afternoon and you've got the morning or the afternoon off and you do things you go for a coffee it's not set the world on fire stuff but it's stimulating and um it's just part of your daily routines that you again just take for granted I think we've all done that in this pandemic we've realized that the small things are probably the bigger things and um hopefully that when we do get our normality back I think people will really appreciate those small parts of your day that you don't realize are big parts of your day um so that was a big thing for me the other thing that was my main trigger was my support bubble in terms of my family my friends um being able to see people that aren't in the England environment that you see every day at training or go for dinner with every night, that gets ripped out from underneath you because you can't see your family. Um, so I think I went a, a phase of around 
I don't, oh God, it would have probably been about th- two, three months of not seeing my, my parents and not seeing my brother and my sister. Um, and I found that really difficult. And I know there's FaceTime and everything like that, but nothing really kind of, nothing's the same as as physical contact for me and being able to give my mum and dad a hug. So, um, yeah, that was a big, another big part of it for me. Um, I feel like I'm banging on about all the negatives as well, but the one big thing, our psychologist was in there with us, thankfully, because she was kind of the glue, the glue that held us all together. But um, she spoke about how, every single choice that you make in a day is taken away from you when you're in a biosecure bubble because you put your laundry in your laundry gets brought back to you so you don't have to go and put you don't you don't have to decide to put a wash on you know you just put your dirty clothes in a bag they come back clean you go to the food tent and that's pretty much the only choice that you make that day is what food you're going to eat and there's only two choices to choose you either pick fish or meat basically um and everything else is just done for you. You go, you know when you're training, you know when the games are. There's there's nothing for you to really be able to stimulate yourself to do. Um, and I actually started a master's in September. And I thought that that was going to be a perfect opportunity to have something outside of cricket that could keep me kind of occupied and take my mind off cricket. And it did the complete opposite because I put so much pressure on myself to make sure that my time when I was in my hotel room was productive that I almost went the the other way and and didn't do anything then because I I I wasn't in the best mental mental state at this point so it, it wasn't what I needed but um yeah I think I'd put and I think a few people I've kind of heard people do this throughout that first lockdown that we had but everyone wanted to kind of achieve something and do something and did you learn to make banana bread no I learned a language whatever it might have been and so I think there was that pressure on me to make sure that I was productive in that time and actually that was the last thing that I needed at that point yeah and just to say I know what you mean about that that's um striving to to have something to to mark the lockdown or the pandemic to say I did not waste my time because I've actually now fluent in German I've constructed <laughs> yeah. a garden shed despite not having a garden etc etc and I read something uh, that was put forward by um, a psychologist who was talking about the idea of toxic productivity which sounds like pretty heavy but they were saying yeah really we can get so carried away with saying I have to be doing something to be of use or to be worthwhile. I need to have some kind of achievement. And I I looked at that and thought, yeah, do I need to have Duolingo on my phone when I'm feeling like I'm busy anyway, but now I'm battering myself saying, you're not doing your German vocabulary when in reality, do I want to do it actually? Pro- probably not. So yeah, I, I, I can empathize with that. I can, I can get on board with that. It sounds like, one one of the big factors for 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 yourself and i'm sure lots of others in those environments is having like you've mentioned there the choices taken away the different levers or tools that you can access usually to maintain good well-being seems like they're restricted as well because your your decision making is to a degree done for you would that be fair yeah, I think so. And I think, um, I mean, again, it, it sounds like it sounds like I'm being quite dramatic about the whole thing, but 
there was just so much monotony in there. Um, and for us, we were at, we were in Derbyshire, so um, I know that the men were between the Aegeus Bowl, which is a Hilton hotel, and Old Trafford, which is a Hilton hotel. We were in a travel lodge in Derbyshire, which let's call a spade a spade. It's not the prettiest, nicest hotel that you might stay in. So for me, one of my um, almost like my sanctuary is my either my room or my apartment back in Manchester. And I, I love being in that that space because I recharge there. And the space that we had in, in Derbyshire, it just it wasn't a relaxing space. And we had a games room where there was a snooker table, a you know, ping pong table, some basketball hoops that you could shoot. Um, but you we weren't allowed to leave that venue at any point. So if you wanted to exercise, you had to either run around the cricket pitch, walk around the cricket pitch, or you could go and use the gym in the dressing room. Um, we weren't the, the you know it was gated we weren't allowed out past that point um again i don't i don't know the ins and outs of it but i know that the men had the golf course on the back of the Aegeus ball so the, you know there's a few differences with how we were both bubbled um so that that was something that we found really difficult as well because even when you were trying to get away from cricket you were on a cricket pitch or in a cricket gym where you've got pictures of all the Derbyshire players around you playing cricket shots. So that it was just the the constant inability to be able to switch off from cricket. And I don't care how good you are at that. You, you just could not do it in there because every single thing that was planned for you was cricket related. You know, there was, there was nothing that going for a coffee or whatever it might have been, going to see your parents, there was nothing that wasn't to do with cricket. Um, I don't. I feel like I've just not even answered your question at all there, but think, it was kind of the monotony. Yeah, the monotony of it. Yeah, that that was another. I think another part of that. I would say it was a destimulization, if anything, because you kind of just woke up, went to breakfast, went to training, came back, went to dinner, etc. So it just, it just kind of became like um, all your days kind of rolled into one similar day. Yeah, now it it does. It sounds there that you've you value, like you said there, that opportunity to recharge away from from cricket and whatever job we do. That's that's a classic for everyone to be able to look after them their their moods and their and their mental health. What other things do you do you rely on to be able to to maintain a good level of of mental health and, and fitness you've mentioned a bit about goal setting and, and and moving towards a target with with purpose so what i'm interested in is uh, uh, any other things that you you tend to lean on or you rely on and then how did the bubble impact your ability to do that um a big one for me is having fun so I, I, I don't want this to come across in a, in a negative way, but the again, the setup that we had at Derbyshire, there was a marquee put up for us to be able to eat in. So that was outside of the hotel. That was just almost behind the groundsman shed, if you can imagine the Derbyshire ground. Um, but the only communal area that we had was the games room. We didn't have a bar area. There wasn't a nice restaurant to go and sit in. And... Even I'm just thinking about the hotel I'm in at the minute. If you just want a point of difference, you can go down to the bar. 
and you know text a few of the girls text any of the staff see if they fancy a beer or a coffee or a hot chocolate whatever it might be and there was there was just nowhere for us to be able to do that um and we're not we're not big drinkers at all there wasn't you know alcohol isn't kind of on our priority list um but I think that would have really made a a difference for us to have that area where we could have gone and done that um you know it kind of felt a little bit like 17 year old's birthday party when you've invited your mates around to the house but you've got to bring your own beer or bring whatever you want to bring you've kind of got got to provide um so that even I think if you'd have asked me that months before we went into the bubble I would have said that wasn't an issue but it's just the really minute details that now seem to stand out as as quite big parts of what that life was like um don't get me wrong there's some positives to it you obviously got a great amount of time to spend on cricket and get fit and and, you know kind of those goals that I was talking about trying to achieve those goals but um another thing for me is like I've mentioned my family and my friends but the the fun the fun side of it going to the cinema going shopping going doing something that just again just completely takes your mind off cricket and the only real thing that I could do in there was either watch some Netflix or FaceTime my family you know it it wasn't it was the best thing that I could do but it wasn't kind of good enough to pull me out of those um kind of those poor mental health routines that I'd kind of got myself into and my sleep was another thing in there that I really struggled with just you know the the curtains that the hotel had weren't blackout so you know I wasn't getting the sleep that I needed so I wasn't recovering wasn't recharging which then became a big part of of my trigger as well. Well what's really interesting and, and really useful for anyone listening is to hear you describe and your awareness of what works for you and then understanding what then has impacted a decline. And certainly listening to that, the idea of work-life balance, if you like, being destroyed, um, lack of social contact outside of a small group and the ability to make your own choices. I think they're things anyone would look at and think that would affect them to whatever yeah. extent and however we describe it. What strategies have helped um, or what circumstances changing has managed to help to where we are now in, in March and, and things I would hope being a degree better? Yeah, so after that, we then... Um again we kind of had this we had a like a bubble training block where it was about eight weeks but we could go home in that time so it was when we were down in Loughborough you're in your hotel room again um or you'd go to the indoor center to train but otherwise still COVID kind of hands face face and all that um so for me the the release of being able to go back to my own apartment and have my own space was was really massive for me and I think it's again going back to kind of that appreciation before COVID it's made me really appreciate what I have and what works for me and probably made me a lot more aware of it as well um in, within that I could obviously go and see my parents as well I could do socially distanced walks with them but um I locked down in the initial lockdown with my family with my mum and dad I came back from Australia and had that bad injury and stayed at, at their house um mostly because I couldn't drive so couldn't get to my apartment um but they were my bubble obviously I could give them a hug give them a kiss and then once cricket started again when we started training that was you know I had to choose 
not to be in their bubble anymore. So, um, again, that support bubble that's so important to me was kind of there, but within two <laughs> two meter distance. So, um, that that was a, a big part of it. Um, I think the other thing was finding things to do that I could take my mind off cricket. Um, paint by numbers was an absolute godsend. I think the England women's cricket team has kept them afloat through throughout these bubbles. Um, so we had that. Got really stuck into my masters, and because kind of I, I'd got back into the the routine of learning again. That then, well, in the the quarantine that we just did in New Zealand, we we're in Christchurch for two weeks. That was so helpful because it gave me a routine. Um, routine is actually another another big thing for me as well. I think once I got out of the habit of staying in bed because there was nothing to do, um, you know, I, I kind of got into better routines of even just feeling like I've achieved something by getting up and having breakfast before nine thirty was so simple, but was was um, yeah, like I said, was an effective thing for me. So um, it's probably hard for me to say because this bubble. We, we only really had a four week window where we were isolating ourselves two weeks before the flight, two weeks after the flight. Um, and there was the kind of the carrot on the end of it that we knew we'd get normality after that. So it, it kind of felt like the end was in sight. Whereas I think for me in Derbyshire, there never felt like the end was, you know, was going to get there because even when we got out of that bubble, we were going back into glo- like national lockdown. So um, I think I'm, I'm, the biggest test now will be going back to the UK and transitioning back into COVID land, basically. (laughs) Yeah. But even within the setting you have in New Zealand, the challenges of touring are still there. And that's something that's not understood, really. The image is that we think of the places that you get to go to and think, oh, it's fantastic. But you're doing your job there and there's the related demands of performance and uh, the standards that you've got to keep to. So even though it's in some senses a release from the, the, the COVID situation, there still is some of those requirements there and you would have had that quarantine at, at the beginning, which I'm sure gets no easier to uh, to deal with. So my question really finally is how sustainable is it because if you've found that, and I've been honest enough, um, as, as you are, to talk about how that's impacted you and how that had a negative effect, there's going to be others um, who who have, whether they they speak about it in the same way. So how sustainable is it in terms of, I suppose, two things? One, we're hoping that with the vaccine and so on, COVID isn't so dominant in public health. But there might be something else which causes this in, in the future. So can it keep going along this cycle? Can people keep being bumped from one, one situation to another where they have these restrictions? Um, or have things been developed so that people think, actually, as long as I'm in that bubble for just a set period of time, probably I'm better prepared to get through it? Um, yeah, I think... Personally, I don't think it's sustainable and I've not done much of it. I Some of the lads who, you know, are out in India at the minute, they've gone straight from Sri Lanka. They'd been in South Africa when um, obviously that was a bit more, not, not traumatic time, but there was a lot more going on there with the 
with COVID being around more. Um, and then, you know, they've been in the, the bubble most of the summer as well. I think it, it's just not sustainable. I think they're now finding ways of combating that in terms of getting people in and out of those bubbles safely. I feel like at the very beginning, it was it felt impossible to get people in and out of them. Um, obviously, the testing that we were able to do with ECB helps that a lot. But um, I mean, the, the, the main thing is, is that it doesn't seem to have impacted people's cricket which, I mean, I say that on the back of obviously a heavy defeat for the boys in India. Um, we've had a, a, a defeat as well over here, but it, it kind of feels like the cricket side of it looks after itself. It's everything around that. And I think people who don't have good strategies or maybe don't have as good self-awareness around what their triggers in their mental health might look like, um, they're the people that I'd worry about the most, I think. I was triggered by a bubble. However, I was quickly able to get back into my routines of making sure I was doing my headspace every day, making sure my routines were robust. Um, but that I think that's only because I've experienced that before. And I think I would have been really worried if that was my first experience and came out of that bubble not knowing why I was feeling how I was feeling. Um, so in, in a way, I kind of feel like I was lucky that I was able to fall back on the things that I knew worked for me. Um, I kind of feel like from, I can't obviously can't speak for the rest of the girls, but there's a, a worry about it being a, a bubble environment again this summer. You know, we're all kind of really praying that by the time the 100 comes around, we might be out of bubble situations, but we're very aware that there's going to be COVID restrictions going into the start of the summer. Um, but, you, you know, you kind of forget about, I, again, I say they're small details, but, they're probably not that small, really. But for me, I play cricket because of the people around me. I play cricket for my family. I play cricket for my friends. Um, and my my dad retired four years ago so he could travel the world and watch me play. And him and my mum had planned to come out to New Zealand for the World Cup, which should have been now, to do like a seven-week trip, money-can't-buy kind of experience. And that's just, again, been taken away. And I kind of feel for them as well that that this has happened and don't get me wrong I know that everyone is in this situation and um we're very very lucky that we're getting to play some cricket that's that's not ever taken for granted in this environment I can tell you that for free but there's kind of bits on the outside of the actual cricket that mean a lot to people and mean a lot to the girls and the players that that kind of probably get missed a little bit I feel like Stuart Broad getting his you know, overtaking, um, they got a, a record in the summer, didn't it? Was it his fifth under wicket or whatever it was? I'm sure he got his fifth. Yeah, and there's no one there to see it. And they're the, they're the moments that as a sports person, you're never going to get back. And people are watching at home and, yeah, you got social media is, is helpful in that respect that it can promote things like that. But there's just those little details, I think, that make, playing sport really really special that have been taken away from a lot of people so as great it is that we've got it on telly and it is mostly behind closed doors for the most part of the last year um there's just little things that you yeah like I say you're just never going to get those opportunities again and it's sad that you can't share them with your your nearest and dearest mm. um however like I said it's because it's changing so frequently and so quickly and our medical team at the ECB have been absolutely fantastic and I, I don't think it's 
it might not be a start necessarily, I might be making this up, but I feel like cricket has really kind of paved the way with how these environments are, are made and we've worked very closely with the government to make sure it's all safe. And um, yeah, I think we've, to, to say that we got 30 members of the ECB, England women's and, and planes and staff members, sorry, over to New Zealand without a COVID case, I think is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it just goes to show the hard work that's going on behind the scenes with our medical staff and our science and medicine team. So, um, yeah, we're, we're obviously very grateful for the fact that we can play cricket. Having that gratitude is, of course, really important. And to be able to look at the, the good things that have happened, particularly, as you say, being able to play cricket, have something of a normal existence. But we are in danger of only seeing that side from the outside. Particularly this, because this is what I think the conversation around this often is. People look in and say, yeah, but we like we punctuate people's difficulties by saying they've got this going on. However, my sympathy or empathy is going to reduce because they've got this benefit. When I certainly listen to that and I've tried my best to think, well, actually, if I was in that situation, I'm a distance away from that. If anyone was to to pay me to play sport, then there would be something horribly wrong. But I would look at that and think, yeah, okay, I, I can I can imagine in a similar sort of situation, if I'd been planning for this and it had worked out this way, that would have an effect on me. And then all the other things that are in there. So it's 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 really great that you're putting it across as saying we we understand and things that we're grateful for, but maybe some people need to to kind of fight your your corner a little bit more and say, yeah, they, they do have things that are going well, but also, come on, they're a bunch of human beings at the end of the day. And I think this leads to to maybe sort of to a final little thing that I'd ask you to, to summarise, I guess, Kate, is what would be the things that they're bullet points for people to be aware of about this experience of the bubbles? Because we've said all the way through that there's, there seems to be a lack of understanding. So what would be the things which you would say are the take home messages um, to to help people just understand that little bit more? Um, I think the first thing would be that naturally, COVID aside, bubbles aside, a sporting career is full of highs and lows. And those highs are high and the lows are pretty low. Um, I've experienced both of them within the space of a week just being on this tour and we're in where you know the bubble isn't as um strict strict over here but i think when you're in that bubble environment that is kind of exasperated and everything is either absolutely fantastic or really 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 crap um so i think it's just kind of almost allowing that leeway for that roller coaster that sports people will go on and it it does seem to be a bit more extreme in a bubble um second and probably should be my number one point is you are taken away from your family completely um your family and your friends and that that's for me and for most of the girls the biggest one um yeah i, I would probably i could be confident to say that, that is a, for a lot of people as well um a lot of the guys maybe as well who've you know got young children away and uh, just being able to see them grow up on FaceTime um and I think it's hard to say without 
um, again, sounding quite dramatic, but I think just don't underestimate kind of the sacrifice that is made to be in those situations. Um, you know, even though we've, we've, we will have ended up being away for about six and a half weeks, but there was two weeks before that where I wasn't able to see my family. There's going to be five or potentially 10 days at the other side of this when we get off that plane that, again, we can't see our family or our friends. Um, so I think, and that was for six games of cricket. So that's 10 weeks pretty much away from our families and friends just for six games. So it's, it, it, it feels like the sacrifice that you do make is, is quite high, but worthwhile without going back into the, I'm very grateful for everything and being able to grateful to play cricket. Um, yeah, I think it, I think you've, you probably summed it up by just saying we're human beings, you know, and we're in, we're in these situations as well. And, emotion comes into it and I think sometimes that can get overlooked when you play in sport I think people see sport first and human second and you know it should be the other way around yeah couldn't agree more there's no trade-off is there because I don't know what it is we could spend a whole whole afternoon talking about why people fans so-called fans respond to players in certain ways the, the, the stick they can give, the horrible things that are said, as if there's a trade-off because you're doing well in something, you need to have, I'll meet out justice and you cannot enjoy this wholly because, yeah, whatever it is, it's um, it's definitely maybe this this could be the time where people do consider things a little bit differently and, and that, that knowledge that you've, you've given us about the realities of it, I think is really useful. So, um, Thank you very much. Um, lovely to chat again. And I wish you good luck with what remains. And then this summer, fingers crossed, um, should be a, a fantastic one with the 100, with return to crowds in the ground, everything like that. Brilliant. Can't wait. So, um, yeah, fantastic. Cheers, Kate. Thanks very much, Mark. Thanks for having me.